episode 63 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pickett. Um, I've received some more complaints last week that the download version of this of the podcast, the volume was really low. In fact, Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism, himself emailed me and said, what the fuck? Well, I didn't say that, but it was close. Um, so look, I have turned up the volume on my Yeti Blue mic here to pretty well close to top. Uh, on Audacity itself, the mic input I've put to 90%. Um, it was sitting at around the recording volume. It was sitting. It's sitting at 0.92. It was sitting around. 0.5 so I think that's that that's probably would have been the biggest problem if this doesn't solve download audio problems for people then someone who knows audacity get hold of me and tell me what I'm doing wrong for Christ's sake because I don't know okay um, all right things happening in Holland before we get into the into the meat of the show um, Last Friday, uh, or last Thursday, I went down to Maastricht, which is um, a city right down the bottom of, of Holland. Went down there on uh, Wednesday night. The good wife met me there. Um, and we stayed overnight. Nice hotel. Um, wow, great city. What a hidden gem. What a hidden gem. Best, best food we've eaten since I've been in Holland at a uh, little Italian restaurant there. And arguably some of the best Italian food I've ever eaten in my life. Uh, amazing wine. The best bottle of wine we've drunk since we've been here. And one of the best bottles of wine in living memory for me. City itself, fantastic to walk around in. Um, really great bars restaurants shops all really close alive happening gorgeous women wow i mean just phenomenal really phenomenal looking girls down there i mean they're good up here in the Randstad, but uh wow wow we looked at a few houses um didn't really find what we we're looking for. Going back again tomorrow, the wife and I are going to stay overnight again and look at more places on Friday um, to purchase. So, you know, we're getting close. Um, then last Friday, we went to a little town just outside Utrecht, which is one of the major cities in Holland. Uh, there's a family connection there who has a bicycle store, and we bought. We've been we've been using borrowed bikes. I've I've actually been using my mother mother in law's second bike since I've been here, and I've been here over three months now. So that was uh, it's getting a bit. I think it's like four months actually. I've been here. Hang on, four months. Christ. Um, I so I probably used it a bit long. She was getting she wasn't getting narky, but you know you uh, you got to give stuff back. So we went and got some bikes, second-hand bikes. Um, there are more bikes than people in Holland. There's 16 million people in Holland and there's 17 million bikes. How about that? I'm surprised there's not more because everyone I know has two bikes. I, I, I'm thinking there's something like 30 million bikes and people are just lying how many are there. There's a lot of bikes here. Bikes are big business. And they're, like, they're not like, you know, the racing bikes or mountain bikes that you're going to expect if you're living in some sort of Anglo-Saxon. They're, they're, they're Dutch bikes. They're completely different. They're like, I don't know, grandma, grandpa bikes. But, they're, but at the same time, they're cool. I don't know why. Because you're in Holland. I'm, I'm running my bike anyway. I've got a car out here. We've got a brand new car, by the way. Brand new car. I'm not even paying for it. Um, and I, I never, I never, knew, I hardly ever use it. I'm going to take it down to Maastricht on tomorrow, but I hardly ever use the thing. It's bike everywhere. It's just so much easier. It's all set up for bikes. You go along and you come up to a roundabout, 
and it turns into like on the footpath there's like a bike lane it's a red line if there's a if, if the bike path is red the bikes have right away and the cars have to stop for you when they're exiting uh, and they do they really do uh it's just all set up there's bike bike paths that i've i don't think i've ever the only times i've ridden on the roads are when i'm outside of um the town but then it, they still have areas that it's, it's, it still works out for bikes it's completely so bikes have their bit and cars have their bit so it works it works um if you, you you're absolutely ride a bike when you're here it also helps that it's just absolutely flat it's flat as really is um that's just, by the way the maastricht where we're going down that's that's one of the few hilly parts of holland but not very hilly. a little bit um if you ride a bike back in Anglo-Saxon world in Australia or New Zealand or the US or something like that, you're just a wanker. But if you ride a bike here, if you don't ride a bike here, I think you're a wanker. It's weird. It's weird. Don't get all mad at me now because I'm calling you a wanker if you ride a bike in an Anglo-Saxon country. You are a wanker. It's not set up for it. They've, they've, they've just brought in a, a new law in, in Victoria, the state of Victoria in Australia, in Melbourne, where... You have to give, if you're in a car, you have to give a bike a meter of space, and the onus is all on the car driver. So if the if the cyclist for some reason decides that they want to ride two or three meters away from the curb, well, good luck getting around them. And if the if, if you're driving along and the cyclist decides to swerve at the last minute around a tiny little rock that he saw, well, you've just broken the law as a car. $400 fine and four demerit points. The four demerit points is absolutely insane. You lose 12 demerit points in Victoria and you've lost your license for a period of time. I think it's six months. I could be wrong. Absolutely, in, absolute insanity to put cars and, and, and bikes are never penal. Bikes are never penalised. Bikes go through red lights all the time. Oh, oh, fuck. It's ridiculous. You're all wanker. The, the, the wankiness of cyclists in the Anglo-Saxon world was epitomized by the woman who gave, on the spike, who gave a finger to the Trump motorcade that went past in, in Virginia or wherever it was in the US, and then she lost a job. By the way, I don't agree with her losing a job. I don't. I don't. Unless she put it up on Facebook herself. If she put it up on Facebook herself, well, I don't know if I'd want to employ her either. But anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, we got our first bikes. Got a first bike. Got a, got them secondhand. Three hundred euros still. Fuck that. Things are really cheap in Holland, but uh, not bikes. Um, what else? I'm drinking a um, a beer at the moment, Weissen beer. So the guy that we bought the family connection. He's like a, I think he's a relative. He's a relative of, of my wife's family. Uh, in his in his early sixties, I think. Very nice guy. Um, he's got this big, this big cycling shop thing, and then at the back, he's got his second business, which is brewing beer. So he he brews beer on an industrial scale, and I went out and checked his uh, his brewing setup there, and I was pretty impressed. Let me tell you. So I picked up um, some Weissen beer, which is wheat beer, and I'm drinking one of those now. Um, and it's for four point seven percent. And you've got to store all the bottles standing up. You can't store them on their side. But with the vice, then you have to roll it back and forth across the table a little bit before you open it because otherwise you get too much head form. Um, and then I got a couple of IPAs and a farmhouse ale, which clocked the, the IPAs clocked in at just under 8% alcohol and the, and the farmhouse ale was at 10.5%. And uh, amazing beer. Really some of the best beer I've ever drunk. So yeah, I'm, I've kind of found my beer guy. Pity that he lives. Well, he's he's about a forty minute drive away from me now, and it'd be probably be a half an hour, an hour and a half by the time I move to Maastricht. So I'll need to buy like I don't know, a hundred bottles at a time. Good beer. Oh, great beer. Just really refreshing, complex, and no fruity notes. Floral notes, not a hint of floral notes. Manly beer for manly men, drinking beer in a manly way. 
like men used to do, when men were real men and women were real women and small fairy creatures from Alpha Century were small fairy creatures from Alpha Century. It's a good bit. Uh, things that are happening this week. Uh, you guys been um, you guys been keeping an eye on the Middle East? What's going on? What's going down now? We've got the House of Saudi Arabia, the House of Saud, doing its own Game of Thrones. Some 33-year-old uh, prince knocking off all the other princes. Two knocked off so far, a bunch stuck in jail. Wow. Saudi Arabia has gone from... 20 years ago being surrounded by friends to now being surrounded by enemies. Um, Yemen is basically not a functioning state anymore, and you can lay the blame for that firmly on Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's like they're doing it on purpose to destabilize the region as they've hitched their flag to the US, but Donald Trump doesn't seem to be taking their shit. Um, now the Lebanese prime minister resigned and fled to Saudi Arabia, so he was basically, a, which means he was a Saudi Arabian plant so now Hezbollah is a big thing, a terrorist organization in Lebanon. So that's going to get going again. Um, so expect to see Israel going to war uh, with, um, well, probably everyone apart from Saudi Arabia because, uh, you know, they're buddies. I mean, Egypt is in a lot of uh, strife. The whole thing's look, we haven't had a, we've had war in the Middle East for the past uh, well, there was the Gulf War in 91, the Gulf War 2003, but apart from destabilizing the region, they didn't really affect the world. I mean, it's just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, you're going to war. Ah, okay. It's like North Korea shoots a missile over Japan. Ah, whatever. But this could start getting interesting now because... The destabilization that's been set up by the US from the first those first two wars and Iran wanting to sell its gas reserves to Europe. By the way, the reason that Turkey, you know, went to war, well, didn't go to war with, but supported all the blockade of Syria and all the rest of it was not for humanitarian reasons that, you know, lefty progs genuinely believe with all their heart's desires because Turkey Erdogan wants a pipeline from Iran with gas to come through Turkey and Syria agreed to bring it through their country bypassing Turkey look everything's about oil gas or energy reserves there and energy reserves can include slaves from Bangladesh if you really want to know I think the next conflict there and it's going to happen um, will be interesting, and it will depend on how hard Israel pushes. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, interesting guy. Uh, is he going to be a military leader as well? Not sure. Um, if he's if he's Determined and decisive, and we get a conclusive end, and it might fix the whole destabilization of the region. It's going to happen. It's going to blow up with Lebanon really soon. You watch. Um, but uh, if this is all indecisive and inconclusive, then it, it's it's like you got a pimple coming up and you didn't pop it. It's going to be it's going to go off again in a few years' time. So interesting stuff going on in the Middle East. The other thing that's interesting, I'm going to. I'm going to post this on my Friday links this week, but I, I found a, uh, a thing from Anonymous. Um, I think it's a 4chan post. Um, one of the Saudi princes um, who's been arrested for corruption, which means you're out of favor because they're all corrupt. The lead-up to the 2016 U.S. presidential election tweeted to Donald Trump, you are a disgrace not only to the GOP but to all America. Withdraw from the U.S. presidential race as you will never win. Trump 
tweeted back, Dopey Prince at Alawad Talal wants to control our US politicians with daddy's money. Can't do it when I get elected. Trump 2016, hashtag. So last weekend we had Antifa's um, big planned violent riot, uh, the resistance that was just an absolute nothing. It didn't happen at all. Completely fizzled out across the entire uh, continental US. That's because suddenly the money that they've been depending on to pay all of the protesters, the Antifa protesters, these, these guys don't move unless they're paid. These are all paid protesters. And you need the leadership to do it. The money wasn't there. And by the way, I'm 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 reading I'm I'm talking this, but I'm I'm basing this off something that I've read, that it makes a lot of sense, and I'm going to post this up on Friday links. Um, so what did they write here? The signs were all made, the posters all printed, and Antifa thugs were primed for violence, but two things never showed: the leaders and the cash. So no Antifa got bust into the cities, nobody got paid, and the leaders didn't show either. Saudi Arabia was funneling a lot of money into the DNC and media matters. That's on record, but Trump changed something with SAE, and now they are arresting their own princes for corruption, including one who owns more of Twitter than Jack Dorsey. The balance of power with Saud, the House of Saud, has changed abruptly. The money suddenly stopped flowing, and they've turned off their support of the DNC, which means they've got so many problems of their own at home now that they're just struggling to save their own asses let alone interfere in U.S. politics. Um, I thought that was very interesting. I thought that's very interesting that this is going down at the same time as, as everything else in the Middle East. So, hmm, hmm, says Adam, hmm. Anyway. Um... Big, big moment on the blog this week. Hit 500,000 total views since I began blogging just over two years ago. So 500,000 views in two years. Pretty, I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, the bulk of those, bulk of those in the second year. At least 75% in the second year. Probably even more, haven't done the calculations. Uh, which means... Um, if I can hit a million views within six to 12 months, that'd be good. Uh, and already on track to have, oh my God, there's all these kids running down the street dressed up as ninjas. It's not something you see every day. Um, what was I saying? Blog stats. Yeah, had a good week in the blog this week. Um, almost had my biggest day ever yesterday with my post on um, black privilege and then uh, Cappy linked to me on um, so I got linked all over Facebook I got over a thousand it's got 1k links to Facebook on that on that I probably got a couple of thousand hits in from Facebook alone on that one and that's because XYZ Online Magazine heavily pushed it. They can't, they're not allowed to publish, or they can publish that, but they'd be, um, they'd be probably most likely prosecuted under the 18C Racial Discrimination Act in Australia. So what they do is they link to my stuff that they can't post, and it's just got a massive, massive hit. And then Cappy linked to me on my um, Blue Balls post. Um, where I spoke about, for those who don't know, um... The Malady of Blue Balls and the Key to Get Girls. Um, as I said, I said in the thing, there are three types of guys in the sexual marketplace. Guys who always get laid. And by that I mean guys who just look, don't have a problem getting laid. It's probably a better way to say it. Guys who never get laid and guys who sometimes get laid. The, the most frustrating of those three is actually the last ones, the guys who sometimes get laid. If you haven't got a problem getting laid, if you can go out and... I mean, you know, you're going to get lucky that night. No, you've got 100%. You might have to ask 10 or 20 girls or approach 10 or 20 girls to get there, but you'll get there. Or you have never get laid at all. 
like absolutely and there are guys like that they're just they're out of the sexual market their sexual market value is is below zero it's zero um that's better off than the sometimes getting laid the sometimes getting laid is tough because uh um as I wrote, they're the most sexually stressed out because they try and try and try and they never get anywhere. Then bang, they finally suddenly get somewhere and, they, and they're like, okay, I've got it, I've got it, I've worked it out now. And then they go out the next day and they're trying nothing. So that's the really, really hard thing to do because humans don't forget. Humans learn from if from you do something, you get a result and then you make the connection between the two, so, which is what animals do as well. So if I push the red button, I get the food. If I put the, push the green button, I get covered in water. I'm going you know, to push the red button. That's the outcome that I want. Um, problems happen for humans when you misinterpret what you did as per the outcome. Playing poker is a really really good example of that so you've always got the element of luck in poker which is why it's such a beautiful game so you know you can play a hand perfectly and you lose and you can play a hand completely incorrectly I mean you fuck it up at every single turn and you still win in the short term you win the hand over the long term you lose that money now the thing that if you play your hand perfectly and you lose a lot of money it's very hard to handle that in an emotional sense. You can lose your shit. We call it, in poker, we call it going on tilt. It's emotional tilt. Now, everyone tilts in poker. It's, it's how well you control your tilt. And if, you, if, you've, if you've got an 85% chance of winning the hand that you've worked out uh, from the odds and you push, or even more, you've got a 95% chance of winning the hand and you push a couple of thousand bucks into the middle of the table and someone needs one card to beat you and they fucking crack it on the river then it's hard not to lose your shit. The guy who had one out and pushed a couple of grand into the tail too and played the hand terribly, he's, he's, this is the even more dangerous situation. Okay, So playing perfectly, you have to control your tilt and you have to keep playing perfectly no matter how the short-term odds going against you. And those, by the way, those short-term odds can go for a lot of hands as, as a different story. But it's the guy who plays completely incorrectly and then wins. What does he do? He reasons, he reasons to himself and to his mates, because he'll mouth off, I did X and I've won, so X is right. And he doesn't realise that he won because of the, of the luck factor in poker. If poker was, uh, there was no luck, if poker had no luck factor, 100% skill, well, it'd be like chess, wouldn't it? That's why poker's so interesting. More interesting than chess, and I, I, I played chess a lot back in the day. So it's the same It's the same with getting chicks. These guys are sometimes get laid, beta males, and, and I used to be there, and you try and try and you do everything wrong. You were, you were falling for the one-itis trap, you were putting pussy on a pedestal. You know, you were... You were you were, had a, a scarcity mindset as well. This is the worst thing you possibly do. Um, and, and nothing ever worked. And then finally you got lucky and you rationalized that finally it worked for you because you'd, you'd been serious this time. You know, you'd really focused or some shit like that. Um, and that, that, that's what makes it so dangerous and so frustrating. Guys who sometimes get laid. Guys who sometimes get laid. Really, really, really dangerous. Um, so I wrote a post about that because I, I was at Royce's site, Chateau Hartiste, and uh, he had a great post about what are the outcomes that, that men and women want from the whole mingling with the opposite sex. And he called it the man notch and the woman notch. And the man notch is you got to get laid. You can get the girl home, you can get her into bed, you can be slogging, you can get her naked, but if you don't get your rocks off, if you don't have intercourse with her, then it's just like it's all been for nothing. And you know it's all been for nothing because if the next day, if your mates ask, fucking hell, how did, how'd you go? The last thing you're going to say is, you prefer to say I struck out and she went home, then I got her naked in the bed, she stayed the night, uh, but, she, but she wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me fuck her. That's far, 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 far worse. 
Much better to say you just totally struck out. Um, so the man notches, you've got to get laid. You've got to get your dick wet, as we used to say back in the day. The female notch, though, is uh, different. Um, females just want to feel wanted. They want to feel good. That's all they want. So if you're... Um, if you're just giving her all the attention she wants and making her feel great all through the night, she's already getting what she needs. She doesn't need to have sex. Now, this, of course, will depend on her general sluttiness, horniness, her cycle, where she is in it, being drunk or not. All of, this, all of these factor into it, absolutely. But in general, girls that are worth having sex with, and I'm, I'm quoting here from Hartiste, They're perfectly happy to just play goalie and make out. You get boob feels, feels and maybe a little bit of kissing, but that's about it. Yeah? The money quote, to go further with a girl, she needs to think she has to win you over because you'll walk away if she doesn't. So she's not getting the feels of being wanted. Really, 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 really important stuff. So if you're listening to this and you're a guy, a uh, young guy, and you're like, you know, chicks... I say young guys, fucking older guys as well. Maybe you've just been divorce raped. You want to get out there and just fuck a lot of girls. You know? I get it. I get you. I get you. Just make sure you got three on the tree. Three on the tree. Um, read that post on my blog. The Malady of Blue Balls and the Key to Girls. Okay. All right. Now, uh, the, the, the theme of this blog I want to talk to you today is about strength as a man. Girls are beautiful. Girls are feminine. Femininity is beauty, delicacy, um, looking good, feeling good, soft, curves. So I've never, I've really liked athletic girls. You know, girls with, a girl with a six-pack, Didact from Didact's Reach every Friday, he does... Uh, he does tits and A Friday, T and A Friday, and uh, he posted up a girl with abs, and I was just like, no, man, no, 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 just no. I'd rather see fake tits than abs on a girl. I just don't want to see abs on a girl. It's wrong. It's masculine. It's not feminine. So girls, girls are beautiful. That's what girls are. And guys are strong. Physically strong, I'm talking. I'm not talking about mental strength. I'm not talking about strength of your personality. That's strength as well. But I want to talk, I'm talking about physical strength here. Well, personality strength, strength is strong, but girls can be strong too in their personality. Oh, yeah. Physical strength is a thing that separates girls from boys. And if you go to the gym, you'll see that. There'll be girls down to the gym, and there's girls who work out in the weight section. And working out with weights is very good for women, especially as they get older. They get osteoporosis. And more inclined to get that uh, brittle bones than men. Um, and working out with heavy iron. I mean, it's, it's, it's strengthening your insides just as much as your outside. Do you want to know the best way to fight cancer? It's not to not eat mung beans and you know lentil soup for the rest of your life. It's to work out with weights and get strong. Yeah. That's the way that you fight off disease and that sort of thing. You get strong. But with men, strength, physical strength above all, is for us what, what beauty is for women. And in this, men have an advantage. An ugly girl, I'm talking like a, an ugly girl, an unfortunate woman, cannot make herself beautiful. Uh, I'll say that with a caveat, though. When I lived in Italy, an average-looking Italian girl, let's say a girl is a four on a, on a scale of one to ten, so, you know, not great, would look about a six and a half because of how she looked after herself, how she presented herself, how she dressed, how she did her hair. Uh, apparently, they did, I read a thing years ago that Italian women spend over 55% of their disposable income on their looks. 55%. Men was about 40%, by the way. So pretty high for men as well. 
Italians really look good. It does make a difference. So with girls, you can. Like, think of, uh, like, on the Big Bang Theory, think of Sheldon Cooper's girlfriend. Or was it Amy, I think her name is. Played by um, uh, a Jewish actress. What's her name? She was in a thing when she was a kid. Now, um, they make her look plain, but she can scrub up. She can definitely scrub up. So as a girl, you can get a couple, a couple of notches up unless you're really, really unfortunate. But guys have a bigger advantage. You know, guys can... If you, if you commit yourself and you work out with weights after two years or so, going three times a week, religiously, proper form and technique, you're going to put on muscle. Now, you put on muscle at a slow rate. I think it's like... It's like... It's as low as like... Um, I think it's something like an, a quarter of a pound of muscle a month or a third of a pound of muscle a month you put on. Um, I could be wrong on that. Someone obviously will correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, oh, oh, let's check. Let's check. This is interesting stuff. Search engines are our friends. So how much my microphone is cord is in the way of my keyboard? Hang on a second. How much muscle can you gain in a month so look uh, oh this is bullshit bodybuilding.com has got all of the top results so obviously they're paying for it they're saying one of our clients has gained 10 pounds in a month to gain 30 or 40 pounds in a couple of months uh, no 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 this is wrong um, expect the average subject to gain four to seven pounds of muscle. Hang on, I need to clarify this. Let's see if my favorite guy. Let's have a look here. Reddit normally is pretty good for this stuff. So someone here has been on strong lifts for three months. I've added probably six to eight pounds of muscle. Three months. So two pounds a month. That's beginner though. It tapers off after that very quickly. It's not much. It's not much. 0 0.3, 0 0.4 pounds of muscle a month. Once you average it out. Over a year, it still adds up. It still adds up, and that's the. I'm going to call this a strength episode. As a man, as a man, strength is your thing. Strength is your thing. Every man needs to be strong. Um, and it doesn't matter how weak and split, it doesn't matter how weak and spindly you are. There are three types of body, there's three body types. There's like, there's endomorph, I, I can't remember what they are. There's three types, but all of them can get strong. All of them. And actually the guy who started Strong Less 5 by 5 was did it because he was so weak and spindly and was getting pushed around all the time. There's no excuse not to be strong as a guy. Absolutely not, not, none. And if you're a young guy and you're like, how to become a man in today's world with everything so fucked up and femininity, well, the one thing that you can do that feminists just can't fuck up yet, though I'm sure they're going to find a way in the future, is, is lifting iron. Lifting weights. Go to the Stronglist 5x5 program, find it, just put in Stronglist 5x5 in a Duck, duck, go, or Bing, or whatever you use for a search engine, because no one uses Google because they're evil. Um, and follow that religiously, and don't be a smart ass and deviate from it because you think you're special or different. You're not special, you're not different. If you deviate from it, it won't work for you. I finally, I finally got to the point in the last four months where I've been following it religiously, 
and I'm 46. When I was 30, 33, rafting in Italy, um, so 33, which is like a great time, a great time of your life to be alive when you're a man, when you're a man, your mid-30s, beautiful time. Your 30s are gold. Your 30s are really, really, really a good time as a man. Love them. If you're listening to this and you're in your late 20s, the 30s are the, are the rocket. That's where, it, that's where if you've put the groundwork in, in your 20s and, and maybe your late teens, it all takes off for you and you start seeing the results. The 30s are a wicked great. 40s for me have been fantastic as well. The 30s, you've just got a little bit more energy. 40s, your energy goes down a little bit, but your wisdom goes up. So it balances out. 30s are great. So age of 33, I was rafting all day. I'd do like four or five, sometimes six rafting, different rafting trips on the river. And then another guide and I, a guy called Vic, we'd head down to the gym and we were following a program that I'd found online. Uh, and we were doing that like four times a week. Um, and I did that for a whole summer, for four months religiously. And and photos at that time, I was really I was really quite big for me, um, and strong. Like you raft all day, and then you go and do a, an hour serious hour workout on the way to the end of the day. Which, by the way, at the end of the rafting day, we never felt like doing it. It was just like, oh, we're going to go to the gym. Oh my god! And then we get down there, and the gym would clear our minds completely. It just hitting the weights clears your mind. It's just you and the weights. All that shit that you've dealt with all day. And by the way, rafting, you dealt with a lot of shit. All the shit that you dealt with all day, it just fell away. And you walk you 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 stumbled into the gym like fuck, I just did five trips, my crews with dipshits. My God, they asked me if we finish today in the same place we start. Uh... And you'd walk out just like, yeah, man, yep, yep, cool. It was, it was, it was a mental, it was a mental purification as much as a, a building strength game. Anyway, thirteen or fourteen years later, and I am stronger now than I was then, and I'm not rafting. I was rafting five trips a day every day of the week, seven days a week. All I'm doing now is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, an hour each time in the gym. That's it. I was rafting seven days a week, 30, 25 to 35 trips a week. And by the way, you know when you're rafting. A, 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 a raft with six customers and you is a moving object that weighs over half a ton. Easy. And you have to turn it. Uh, let me tell you, you really, really worked hard as a guy. Uh, and that's and as if everything went right. Getting your boat stuck on a rock and you've got to get the fucking thing off. Ugh. Got no idea. I'm stronger now than I was then. I'm 13, 13 years older. I'm not doing any rafting trips. Um, I'm just working out three days a week. I'm stronger now. Two things. Three things. One. Much better workout regime. I, I can't recommend the Strongly 5x5 program enough. It just really, really is the, sh- the shit. Um, two, um, I've got my form sorted out. Um, no, I, nah, let me clarify that. I am sorting out my form. Do I have perfect form? Well, I don't think anyone has perfect form. Do I have as good as form as I can have now? No. Am I improving it every week? Yes. Is it making a huge difference? Oh, my lordy. And number three, not missing a workout. I'm just not missing it. Like Friday, I'm going to be in a hotel in Maastricht on Thursday night. Um, so, so Friday, it's going to be a struggle. And I'm probably going to get home uh, pretty late. Gym shuts at 10. I have time to be there. If I don't make it, I'll go on Saturday morning, which will fuck up my routine a bit with my recovery. But so be it. I'm just not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. I haven't missed a day now for, oh, since I got back from holidays in August. 
So September, October, probably 10 weeks, I just seeing some amazing results. What can you really realistically expect as a, if you're a you know if you're a guy with no strengths you know your traditional kick sand in your face on the beach sort of thing ninety pound weakling, um, chain yourself to that squat rack for a year, uh, and you, you're going to be you're going to be a different person for sure, and it really does count. An example of it really counting when, when I was working in Melbourne in the offshore oil and gas industry, I was working as a uh, as a, a trainer, I was doing mostly underwater helicopter escape training, but I was also doing behavioral safety training. So new starts to the industry or people who they were hoping to get into the, into the industry, they'd have to come and do a three-day behavioral safety course where we basically simulated that they were out on, a, on an offshore rig and that that behavior had to act in accordance with that. Um, and uh, I, you could do it in Australia, you could do it in Perth or Melbourne, and I ran all of them in Melbourne. So for two years, it was just me. A lot of people come through the course. There was a segment of the course on the end of the second day uh, on manual handling. Um, and to put it into context with you, there's like so many manual handling. Manual handling industries is what injuries. <laughs> manual handling injuries, i.e. picking up a box, picking up wrong and doing your back. One of the biggest um, workers' compensation issues in Australia, at least. And to the extent now where I, what I'd re- routinely do is I'd, uh, I'd have six up to 16 guys in the course. And I'd, I'd put out, I'd say manual handling, all right. For those who are already working offshore, because you could already be working offshore, but you still had to come to this course within the first three months of starting offshore. Um, or for those who'd worked also onshore mining and that sort of thing, you were then trying to transition offshore, I'd say, okay, you guys working, to your companies that you're working for now, and by the way, also transportation, logistics companies, all sorts of companies, I'd ask them, do, does your workplace at the moment have a limit on um, the weight that you're allowed to lift by yourself? The average, and yes, the answer was yes. The average weight at that time, this is like two years ago now, the last time I did that course. The average weight that the average company was allowing, maximum weight, of allowing someone to lift by themselves was 12 kilos. Um, for my American cousins, 12 kilos in pounds is 26 pounds. The, the lightest, the, the minimum weight I ever heard of a, of a company um, setting was 8 kilos, which is 17 and a half pounds which is just patently ridiculous. And yet, and yet, people were routinely hurting themselves with manual handling injuries. And guys, if you fuck your back, if you fuck your back, um, for those, another question I'd routinely ask at the start, has anyone here had a manual handling industry or does anyone know anyone in their family who's had a, a decent, as in major manual handling industry, and uh, injury, I keep saying industry, injury. And I'd always get half a dozen people put their hands up and then I'd ask them to share the stories and some of the stories are coming out. People's lives just totally destroyed with picking up a box the wrong way. And we're not talking about, you know, sub stories about that they're, that they're faking it for, um, that they're faking it for workers' compensation or whatever. I mean, like, people who are then, and it's and it's a downward spiral. You go on to, um, you go on to painkillers and opiates and then you get addicted to those, and then uh, your life just spirals down out of control, and it's a total disaster. So that affected a lot of people. And we we talk about manual handling. I'd show them the correct way to pick up a box, the proper form, straight back, you know, getting close, wide grip, keeping it close to your body, blah blah blah. 
And then we watch this video where there's all these toddlers running around picking things up because toddlers have to pick things up the perfect way manual handling because they've got no strength. So that you see a little toddler, like a three-year-old or two-and-a-half-year-old, you know, they bend their knees, they get a good firm grip, put their hands wide apart, keep it close to their body, heads up. I mean, they're textbook cases of how to lift something. And then I'd ask for those working in like a, a fly-in, fly-out work environment at the time, like mines or offshore, I'd say, does your work site have a, an on-site gym? And I'd go, yeah. And I'd say, do they have a, a weight limit that you're allowed to lift in the gym? Um, they didn't. And... Though a lot of workplaces have put in a condition that they had, like offshore oil and gas, there was a new job formed. God, and these were sought after. Personal personal trainer offshore. So you got a rig of 200 guys, and everyone wants to use the gym, and a personal trainer. So you rock up the rig brand new, and they'd evaluate you and then say, okay, for the next two weeks, you can't lift anything heavier than X weight. Don't care. 10 kilos. That's it. What? What? No. Blah, 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 blah. And they're just covering, covering their own butts. The thing is, though, and I didn't know it back at the time, but I, if, if I could go back now and do that, I'd say to everyone, you should be lifting weights. The best way to avoid a manual handling industry is injury. Oh, why do I keep making that mistake? The best way to avoid a manual handling injury is to be physically strong. Like right now, I'm deadlifting 130 kilos, which for me, it's just over 70 kilos in weight is really, really good. That is 286 pounds. That's what I'm deadlifting at the moment. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, if, you, if you can deadlift weights like that, you're not going to have a problem lifting a 20 kilo box in a million years. The other reason is because you'll have proper lifting form. If you're deadlifting that, then you've got to know how to deadlift. You're not going to deadlift 100, you're not going to deadlift 300 pounds if you've got an arched back or something ridiculous like that. All of these manual handling injuries that are increasing uh, as much to do with the sedentary lifestyle that we have uh, as, as regards to anything else. So, and it was interesting because when you go, when you go work offshore in the mines in Australia, they, they, do, they do a big, they do a big uh, health exam on you, like hearing your eyesight, psycho, psychological, blah, 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 all sorts of stuff. And they do like a general fitness thing, but they don't do a strength test. They don't do a, they don't do a strength test. I never got a grip test. Uh, I never had to lift any serious weights. It was pretty Mickey Mouse. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Physical strength, boys. Not boys and girls, boys. Physical strength. This doesn't mean you're ripped. This does not mean you're ripped. But I'll tell you what. It means you're strong. Your testosterone will increase. Did you see that thing that came out the other week about some some male presenters? There's like four male presenters on some Gaylord fucking YouTube site that got all had their t- testosterone tested, and they were all in like the the, the mid two or low two hundreds or something. I think the Asian guy cracked three hundred. The by the way, average testosterone for a guy is around six hundred or six hundred and fifty or something like that. I mean, holy mother golly baloody woody doody woody i mean what the hell your testosterone is the core of masculinity you don't be one of these new male freaks it's like it's like these women who dye their hair blue they're purposely making themselves ugly because they're rejecting what it is to be feminine and then they're wondering why their whole life is spent alone with cats that would eat their face off if the woman died it's the same thing with a guy. You need to be strong. A strong man is virile. Because the thing is, like, the really strong guys, physically strong guys I've known, are the nicest guys you'll ever meet. It's so rare to meet a physically strong guy 
who's an arsehole or a bully. It's just like, down the gym I'm going down here in Holland. There's a guy there who's been seriously lifting weights for about 20 years. He's about my age. He's bigger than me in the sense of height. Um, he is the meekest, mildest, most lovely guy. He could snap everyone in there between his fingers. I read a thing recently. Being a gentleman is not about your manners. Being a gentleman is about restraint. It's about you're, you're really strong and you could break someone in two, but you refrain from doing that because you're civilized. That's what being a gentleman is about. Where did I see that? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I saw that somewhere. Oh my God, where did I see it? Here we go. Uh, I saw it in the Art of Masculinity. I'll link, Art of Manless, I'll link this. You've got to be a man before you can be a gentleman. Uh, sometimes when young men begin their journey to manhood, they start in on the gentlemanly side of things. They dress in, you know, stylish classic attire. They wear a fedora. They focus really hard on manners and etiquette. And they hope that by doing so, others will recognize them as grown men, good men. And everyone takes the piss out of them. And the reason you've got to be a man first before you can be a gentleman, you've got to make yourself as a man. Okay. And they wrote here, gentlemanliness presupposes manliness. It means it comes after. It's a softening of the core characteristics of masculinity, which, oh, look, they've given it strength, courage, mastery, and honor. There we go. A gentleman, as scholar Harvey Mansfield put it, is a manly man with polish. The respect given a gentleman is thus premised on constraint. A gentleman has the ability, the power, cleverness, confidence, and even the desire to ride roughshod over your interests, muscle you aside, and manipulate you, but he has instead voluntarily chosen to restrain himself to follow a more moral course. He's a coiled spring, and his self-control showcases one of the timeless markers of manhood, which is will. As anthropologist Paul Friedrich puts it, the highest praise that one can give a man is that he is capable of doing harm but chooses not to. And they give an example of why putting gentlemanly before being a man is backwards, which was really good. Um, oh, yeah. In Roman honour, Dr. Carlin Barton points out that in antiquity, a man who lived in involuntary poverty was not respected for his frugality. And the impotent man got no credit for continence. Rather, self-control was most to be praised when it was least expected. Strength. Strongest guys I know, the toughest guys I know, don't have to bully everyone around. So manages physical strength. Testosterone goes up. You're less likely to hurt yourself lifting a box. You might live in a city, but if someone needs a hand to move, you can give them a hand in the house, and they've got to get the uh, you got to get the washing machine down the stairs. And it's just like no problem, no problem. I'm a manly man here to help you out. Manly men doing manly things. Yeah. I just at forty six and having having gone to the gym sporadically since my late teens but n having never properly focused on it the way I should if I could if I could have one thing over would it be this or oh, I made a couple of key errors in my life but I am happy with my life now and if I hadn't made those key er errors I probably wouldn't be where I am now so, yeah, if I could have one thing over, I would have this strong lift 5x5 five five, uh, regime from my mid-teens, and I would have followed it religiously. Really, really, really religiously. Uh, there was also a great article I read from uh, Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins, uh, musician and writer and big proponent of working out. Uh, it was really big in the 90s. He had a good band. I saw him live once. It was good in Perth. Uh, he has got an article here called Iron and the Soul. 
um, which I'll link to on the show notes. So let me link Iron and the Soul, Henry Rollins. Week at school. Henry Rollins is a big fucking guy, man. I mean, he's a man mountain. You just you just wouldn't go up against Henry Rollins. Um, and he was he's look. I was threatened and beat up at school for the color of my skin and my size. I was skinny and clumsy. When others would tease me, I didn't run run home crying. I just I wondered why. I knew all too well. I was there to be antagonized in sports. I was laughed at, a spaz. Uh, the other boys thought I was just a moron. Hated, I hated myself all the time. I hated myself all the time. That was me, man. That was me in my teens and, and up to my mid-twenties. I hated myself all the time. I wanted to be anyone else in the world except me. One of the things that got me out of that was rafting, and rafting was physical. Like uh, about six months after I started working as a rafting guide, I remember one of the other guides saying to me, fucking hell, man, you've really, uh, you've really bulked up. You're looking good. And I felt good. I didn't hate myself as much anymore. It's amazing as a man what getting strong physically can do f- for you. I mean, you, you guys, if you're, a, if you're a man and you're not physically strong, well, you're not... You're not taking your masculinity at all seriously, are you? And you find ways. You find ways. Like Peter Grant. Peter Grant, Bayou Renaissance man. He's in my blog role here. Um, He's, I think, in his 50s. He's got a major... um, Hang on a sec. Let me find this. He had a major back injury. Uh... Here we go. As most of you know, I suffered a semi-crippling injury back in 2004, which after two surgeries left me with a fused spine and a damaged sciatic nerve on my left side. I'm permanently partially disabled and I'm in some degree of pain 24-7, 365. On top of that, his metabolism was damaged by a serious prescription drug interaction problem some years later following a heart attack. Putting all of those things together, I was getting nowhere fast and needed to find a way to restore as much of my health as possible. After much investigation and research, him and the missus began strength training almost four months ago and we're already seeing very beneficial results. We expect to be doing it for some years to come. And he's got some stuff on his blog. Um, he bought the wrong bench. He needed a. He's not following the. Um, Strong lift five by five. He's following Mark Ripito's um, program. And like for, for deadlifts, he can't bend forward far enough due to his, partly due to his fused spine partly due to my over-large belly getting in the way. So his personal trainer is having him do a modified rack pull instead where the bar is supported on cross rails. Man, I don't have to bend so far. Um, it, and at the bottom of his thing, it doesn't matter how old or out of condition you may be. To illustrate that, he is 91-year-old Virginia Reason who trains at the same gym as ourselves. Um, and she's doing strength training. You got no excuse is my whole point. If Peter Grant with all of that can still go and do it and see huge beneficial results. You've just got no excuse. If you're you're a man, you need to be strong. You need to be physically strong. You need to go and that's part of making yourself as a man. I get it all the time. I, I get I, I do get regular emails of like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. First thing I always say, how strong are you? What can you bench press? What's your weight? What can you bench press? All I want to know, how strong are you? There's just no excuse. If you're listening to this right now, you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. 
Well, that's your chick side talking, isn't it? It's so easy to think up a million reasons why you can't do something. Three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Barely an hour each time. Barely an hour. If you do it at the end of the day, it clears your head. I've already spelt that out for you. You're a man, you need to be strong. You get strong in mind, body, then you get strong in mind. Because the body gives you confidence for the mind. So there you go. I expect to... I get an average of about... 250, 300 listens a week on my podcast. It's slowly building up. I expect 250, 300 people to be you know, hitting the gym. I will also link to the Stronglift 5x5 website. And I will link to Peter Grant's stuff that I just used then as well. Okay? So this will all be in the show notes back on my blog. Uh, if you come to this through SoundCloud, just top right-hand corner there, you've got website and blog. Uh, you can you can just click on that and get through there and have a look. Okay. Um, okay. Shout outs. Shout outs. Captain Capitalism. Uh, I've already mentioned him at the start of the show. Cappy has a uh, consultancy called Asshole Consulting. If you've got questions about your life and you're not sure in which direction to go, he will answer them and put up a video keeping it um, anonymous for a price. And he will tell you what you need to hear as opposed to what regular consultants tell you, which is regular consultants, by the way, look, they're not there to solve problems. They're there to massage problems. That's what regular consultants are there for. So company A decides that they want to, we're going we're gonna to install SAP in our business, which is a computer program thing. We're going to install SAP and we need to get some consultants in, some IT consultants, and we need to do some change management and some retraining, and we're going to budget $8 million for that. Rah, 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 rah. The consultants are going to, consultancy company going to bid for that, and then they're going to look at it like, we can get X amount of months of work out of this for everyone, how can we best string this out for as long as we possibly can? That's what regular consultants do. They massage the problem. They don't fix the problem. They don't address the problem. Individual consultants do try and address the problem, but they are most often defeated by the structure of the major consultancy firm they're working in, maybe one of the big four, whoever they are, blah, 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 blah. Regular consultants massage the problem. Cappy is a real consultant. He addresses the problem. It's a one-time payment. It's not, well, okay, I'll address part A, but now I think we need to address this. And rah, 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 rah. Oh, God. So you can find him at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Yes, Cappy is still on evil Google. What's going on, Cappy? When are you going to get on WordPress? Sheesh. Um, and he has oh, at least 10 books out, all of which you need to read, um, especially if you're a young man wanting to do manly things. Very, very important. Um, so go check out The Good Aaron. He does a lot of support for me, and so I like to try and give him as much support as I um, and he does a podcast too, twice a week. The rude podcast where he uses naughty words and the clean podcast where he doesn't use naughty words at all. Um, okay, this has been the strength episode. I hope that this inspires you, if you're not already doing it, as a man, to go out and start getting physically strong. Today is the 8th of November. This is the date that I've recorded it, but I, I know, I'm going to put it up just after I recorded it because I'm in a bit... Normally I record this the day before. But anyway, I, I really hope that this inspires you to get out there and begin making yourself physically strong, which is one of the crucial steps towards becoming a manly man doing manly things. I'm Adam Piggott. You can check out 
my website at pushingrubberdownhill.com. My first book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, A Journey to Manhood Fire Whitewater Adventures, uh, was a long time in the making and had a lot of support and has done really well for a uh, independently published book. You can get it on Amazon in paper, dead tree form, electronic form, and listening form. Uh, you can, if you're in Australia, New Zealand, Book Depository is the place to order it. Order it from Book Depository or your local bookstore. You can go into any bookstore and order my books. My second book, Run Guts Pull Cones. Whitewater Adventure in the Italian Alps is more masculine, manly men doing manly things, but with the not-so-manly Italians and how that works out with the cultural uh, clashes there. And my next book I'm hoping to have out early next year. Stay tuned for that. It's being worked on diligently as we speak while I am learning Dutch trying to find a place to purchase here in Holland, working out a small business that I want to start over here so I can get some more income coming in. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. Thank God I'm physically strong. Ciao.